live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bosevich. And now, here's Jay. And live again from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, where it's another beautiful sunny day here in the greater Northwest. And it's the Bose Nose Show. And again, if you want to get in on the conversation, you can just call us at 646-721-9887. Just press one if you want to join the conversation. That lets the call screener know that you uh, have a question or a comment and you want to get in on it. Uh, if you don't want to talk live on the radio, you can always just send us an email at talk at krbnradio.net. And, uh, you know, you can always go back and listen to past shows on our uh, website here. They're available in the archive, or you can easily search for them, iTunes at KRBN um, with Google and get into them. So if you want to hear a past show, you can do that. But uh, tonight we're going to be talking to uh, my guest, uh, my fellow commissioner, Sid Lichen. So, Sid, welcome to the show, and thanks for being my guest. Well, thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. And, Sid, you just had a recent experience, although it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, but you ran for the Republican nomination for Secretary of State here in Oregon. Um, an interesting thing to do, running for a statewide office. Uh, just Matt, tell us a little bit, what was it like running it for a statewide office versus just a county uh, commissioner district, which essentially is almost the same as Springfield? No, and it's a great question, uh, Jay. I, you know, the, the, the one thing I, I learned quite well is that once you get out of your, your home district or even your home county, not very many people know who you are. And um, so I really had to work hard to kind of uh, get out there and talk to different groups, talk to different people. And what we found out is that when you run a statewide race, you really need to raise a tremendous amount of money, something that we, we had a challenging time doing. And, uh, you know, at first, at first we were doing pretty well. And then when my opponent, Dennis Richardson, got in the race, it, it became a little bit more challenging. I, you know, he was a known quantity obviously running for governor two years ago. And, and um, so he was a known person out there, uh, known around to Republicans around the state. But really, I, I think having that name ID, that statewide exposure, but more than that, just that statewide operation, uh, when he put that into, uh, started that, that up, it really, uh, it, it challenged me a little bit as far as fundraising is concerned, because you cannot be everywhere in the state of Oregon. I don't, I don't think people realize, but I believe the state of Oregon, land-wise, is either the ninth or tenth largest state in the in the country, and so it's a it's an enormous state, with most of the population, of course, uh, from uh, Portland to the Willamette Valley. But it's important just to to get your message out to to everyone as, as much as you possibly can. So, you know, we 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 clearly use uh, social media quite a bit. Uh, we used some of the, uh, uh, especially on Facebook, we were able to uh, cost-effectively, I think, uh, uh, hit hit 
some of the voters that I call the voters who voted the last four four elections, we really focused in, focused in on on them. And but the reality is, uh, we did quite well in our home county. Went in our home county. Uh, did uh, did not win in Douglas County, which is where I was born and raised. But that was a, our second best county we did. And then uh, the rest of the state was very challenging. But overall, I, I viewed it as a very positive experience. It was something I really enjoyed. Uh, getting out, talking to people, really talking about the Office of Secretary of State, what it means, and why it's so important for all Oregonians. Yeah, it is a very important uh, office, and you did do really well here uh, in your home county. Um, you know how hard it is to get out and cover a large, you know, my district um, is the size of the state of Rhode Island, West Lane County. Right. And it's hard for me to get everywhere in my district. I just can't imagine what it's like to try and get everywhere in the state of Oregon. It's kind of one of the reasons why I don't have a real strong desire to serve in a statewide office or a congressional office just because the districts uh, and the territory you have to cover is so large. I feel, you know, at my limits trying to represent from Florence to Eugene and and Junction City down to um, Lorraine, you know, it's, it's a big enough district as it is. So, you know, we were talking about the Secretary of State. It's interesting, you know, it it's an office people don't really understand really very well. So I'm sure one of the first things you had to start talking to people is is what does the Secretary of State do uh and educate folks about that because it's kind of one of those things where uh everybody knows what the Secretary of State That's the that's the real uh, thing that you have to explain to everybody. So, in, in your 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 five minute elevator speech, uh, how do you explain to people what 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 it, what the Secretary of State's office does? And, you know, it's it's in in really, I I was given an elevator speech from us from as much as 30 seconds to as much as five minutes. When I usually got five minutes, I thought, man, this is an, this is an eternity to try to explain to folks what the what the job is, and that 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 in itself was kind of fun. You know, what was really interesting, Jay, is up until the governor Kitzhopper resigned, I was surprised on when on how many people did not realize the Secretary of State was constitutionally number two. And because Oregon does not have a lieutenant governor, uh, yep. the Secretary of State is the, the person that then would uh, obviously succeed the governor as as what's happened with the resignation of, of Governor Kitzhaber. So that in itself was kind of interesting. But on, on, the, on the, what I would say on the five-minute piece is that when I would get in front of people, I would I, we would first talk about what the job is. And first of all, it's an executive position. It's not a legislative position. It's an executive position, and where it, which it covers what I would call five major areas. Obviously, you're the, you're the chief elections officer of the state of Oregon. You are, in a sense, the chief auditor of the state of Oregon, even though you have an auditing team that, that handles that. You're the one that ultimately is responsible for uh, – uh, uh, given the go-ahead on a on an audit program, if you will, from both the finance uh, finance auditors 
to the performance auditors, to the IT auditors. Um, it al also receives the corporations division, and uh, which is an important piece in itself because the corporations division, in my opinion, should be more than just UCC filing and business registration. Uh, there's some business assistance program involved here. This is a really a great opportunity where you have a suite of information available that you can really make sure that small businesses or business startups or people wanting to expand in Oregon, that you have this information available that at the Secretary of State's office where sometimes it's, it's it, when you want to either especially start a business, it can be challenging. I mean, I was real fortunate. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, so for me, to start a business, I could just go to them and say, what do I need to do to get started? Well, not everybody has that luxury. So you have the suite of information available at the corporation's division. It oversees the archives, uh, the records. The, you're the keeper of the records of the state. In fact, you're responsible for, the, for the, uh, the Great Seal of Oregon. And so the Seal of Oregon actually is under the jurisdiction or responsibility of the Secretary of State. And then finally, and in, in my view, this is one of the areas that I don't think gets enough attention either, and that is the Secretary of State along with the Governor and the State Treasurer serve on what's called the State Land Board. And you and I are very well aware of what the State Land Board is about because of, in particular, the issue of the, the, um, the, the suit that's been brought on by Lynn County and the class action suit that Lane, Lane County is also a, a part of that. But because of what we would maybe do, uh, described as mismanagement of the uh, uh, the forest management side of what's happening on state lands, and so, uh, but the state land board's also involved in overseeing all navigable waterways in the state of Oregon. That includes uh, being heavily in, involved in in the ports and how the ports are uh, from from that perspective. And so, that's really how I explained you know, from the get-go, what the Secretary of State's about. And, and it really got people to think about it and to think about the importance of why this office at sometimes, uh, because of the audit function in particular, and, of course, elections, sometimes it really is more, at times, more important than even what the governor does. And, and so that, that's really how I would start out and, and talk to folks and really get them to in, get them to think about, and then we go into a question and answer session. Yeah, it's really, um, you know, a, a, a powerful office that, that, that a lot of people don't understand. In fact, it's it's so powerful that back in 2006, um, there was something started called the Secretary of State Project, and it was um, a bunch of progressive um, organizations, including George Soros, um, funding uh, folks to run for Secretary of State. Particularly, it was an effort to get Democrats elected to offices of the Secretary of State. Um, and it's I think it's kind of gone defunct, the actual organization right now, but the effort was still there. And in fact, uh, Kate Brown actually got $65,000 for her first campaign for Secretary of State in 2008 from that group. And, you know, so it's important enough and, and a position in all of the states that there was actually a national movement that was you know, well-funded, not well-advertised. Folks don't understand uh, a lot of this was done behind the scenes, and it was a way of uh, 
you know, passing money through without having, you know, your fingerprints on it so much. You give to a, a, a 527 organization, they give to this 527 organization, and they donate to the candidate. Um, and, you know, basically you can uh, clean up out-of-state funds and everything else uh, for a candidate. But there was a real effort by the Democrats to try and hold as many Secretary of State positions as possible uh, because they were so angry about uh, some of the decisions that some Secretary of States had made in, say, Ohio and Florida relative to the the, the Bush-Gore election. And, uh, mm-hmm. and they have been very successful in, in owning that position. And it's not without reason that they did this quietly and tried to do, do as much as they could to, to own the Secretary of State's position. It certainly was critical for the state of Oregon back in 2001 uh, when we went through redistricting, uh, one of the things that you didn't describe is the fact that in Oregon, you know, the state legislature is supposed to do the redistricting and draw the mm-hmm. boundaries. Uh, but if they can't come to uh, an agreement and get the governor to sign a redistricting plan, it automatically falls to the secretary of state to do the redistricting. And that's and what happened. Saw- in, especially in 2000, 2001, when Bill Bradbury was Secretary of State, that's when you really saw what I would consider to be some of the significant gerrymandering that, that happened in, in some of these districts around the state. And that's you're, – you're exactly right, Jay. And, and, of course, you and I have gone through that where we had to correct what I would consider gerrymandering that happened in Lane County in 2001. We had – in 2011, we had, in a sense, correct a lot of that that, that, that occurred back then. I mean, some of the – the way our districts were set up when we were first elected in 2010, uh, some of them didn't make any sense at all. And and so, uh, you know, we there. So I, I will say I did hear back from some of the public on on the redistricting, but not as much as I thought I would. I actually thought I would hear a lot more about that, but it seemed to be the case because of what was occurring with Cover Oregon, the Columbia River Crossing, and some of the uh, the energy program at the state of Oregon. The uh, the audit conversation seemed to be front and center, but uh, you know, and that of course that was that was part of Dennis's platform, but that was part of mine as well. And even taking, you know, our experiences as as a county commissioner and the fact that we, you know, I chair a finance and audit committee, as you know, and and then I served on the um, on the uh, temporary audit committee when we first hired our our performance auditor. But having that experience and that understanding about how financial and performance audits actually work uh it was pretty pretty easy for me to explain it and uh where people really understood but that seemed to be the area that folks seemed to have a tremendous amount of interest in was you know what's the audit function and how will that uh help in into the future with some of these programs that have been let's let's face it they've been wasting taxpayers money and but this these last few years i think have been over the top and uh i mean you're you're looking at a half a billion dollars just on two programs themselves, Cover Oregon and the Columbia River Crossing. And the taxpayers of Oregon have to ask themselves, what did we get out of that? And uh, not much, unfortunately. But that's where, again, this is where the Secretary of State's office can come into play and do a full audit of what, what happened there on the financial side and on the performance side so that something like this doesn't, uh, doesn't occur again. And, uh, but that seemed to be the conversation 
much more than redistricting, which which I will say is was somewhat surprising to me, but but I but I completely understand where where people's thought process is right now. Yeah, and I will have to say that, you know, when you and Dennis were running, you guys kept it at the issues. Uh I didn't hear personal attacks between the two of you. It was really about, you know, what you wanted to do as Secretary of State and to do with the office versus uh you know what campaign contributions you may or may not have taken and, and <laughs> who's supporting you or, or who you endorsed or whatever else and whether you were Democrat, white, or, or whatever the issue in your race. And I really have to commend both of you guys. I, I know Dennis from way back when he first was going to run for the legislature. Uh, we went through campaign school together. Uh, and I met him then. Very smart man. Uh, a good guy all around. And you know, in the legislature, he's been you know, the guy that understands the numbers kind of reminds me of me somewhat. Uh, <laughs> Detail-oriented, so I think he'll, he'll do a great job as a Secretary of State. But I will have to say you guys did run run a, a, a great race against each other where you really kept it, um, you know, clean and above board and about the issues and about the Secretary of State. And I thought that was exemplary. It hasn't always gone that way with different races. So I just remind our, our listening list here that we're talking with Sid Lichen, um, former candidate for Secretary of State and one of my fellow Lane County commissioners. If you want to get in on the conversation, you can dial 646-721-9887 and just press 1, and that lets us know you want to get in there. And you can always email the talk at krbnradio.net. So, um, Sid, you know, pieces of the secretary you know the democrats when they were running uh in their race and of course they kind of did get personal at times with each other about contributions and everything else um, but there was a lot of claims in their race about using the, the office for things that really you know the secretary of state is a powerful enough position without exaggerating where it can go but um, there is some the ultimate winner of the Democrat primary, uh, uh, Labor Commissioner of Akian, where he was talking about you know things like uh, abortion rights and, and um, gay marriage and things, and, and he's, you know there's been some talk about using the audit division to audit um, private corporations. Um, can you talk a little bit about? you know, where you feel uh, maybe some of those statements went beyond the powers of Secretary of State and, and what the actual limitations are? Yeah, no, that, that's that's a great question. And, in fact, what I thought was very interesting in the Willamette Week, they had an article really discussing uh, Commissioner Vakian's campaign and, in a sense, uh, using the Secretary of State's position more almost as an activist position. Um, and what was interesting in that article is that he actually drew a pretty sharp criticism from, from a former Secretary of State who went on to be our governor, and that was Barbara Roberts, and which I thought was very interesting, where she was pointing out this is not the job of the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State, and she, and she, she went to the fact that this is, it's, it's, this is really an executive position. You have your duties. And you should be focusing on on that. And 
you know, one of the things that I, I would talk to, uh, to the citizens about and the, and, and the voters about is that the Secretary of State, ultimately, you're the chief engagement officer of the state of Oregon. And it's not set up to be an activist office whatsoever. And I, I, it was interesting because we, uh, we, all five of us were in a um, – uh, it, it, it was the three Democrats first, then Dennis and I second, but we were at a, an event in Portland in, uh, the, at the Portland City Club. And I will tell you that uh, that was the first time I saw Senator Devlin go after Commissioner Vakin on that issue. And, and really uh, was pretty much offended that, you know, who are you to say that you're the only Democrat, true Democrat, running in this race type of thing? And really gave him a pretty strong eye. I, I was, uh, it was, it was, uh, uh, that's when I first, okay, the gloves are off on this one now. And, um, but, but I think part of it is that uh, Senator Bakken, or Senator Devlin in particular, was, was really dismayed. And uh, because he personally, when I would listen to him, he was really focused on the job and talking about what the job does, how, you know, how it relates. I think he was using his experience as co-chair of the, uh, of the Ways and Means, which is where, what Dennis was, was doing as, as well. But Commissioner Vakuum would come back and talk about, and especially when you were mentioning the, the audit piece, auditing private corporations. Now, I will say he amended that then to the point where he would audit private corporations that was doing business with the state of Oregon. But even then, even then, former Governor Roberts still was critical of uh, Commissioner Vakian, again, by suggesting that's not what the auditor is set up to do. The auditor is actually set up to look at financial performance and the IT divisions of the state of Oregon to make sure that our taxes that we pay that uh, that are being uh, that we we feel like that uh, it's it's accountability it's transparency and so from my perspective again I just believe Commissioner Vakin has absolutely stepped way over the bounds of what the the job truly entails and um, so he received criticism from the former governor significant criticism from Senator Devlin. Um, uh, OPB interviewed both myself and Dennis. We we uh, also criticized him for the for the same thing because it really it made zero sense at all. And and in fact, uh, afterwards of my phone call to Dennis, wishing him the best, uh, I reminded him. I said, you know, make sure. I hope you have that uh, Willamette Week uh, article archived. And he said, I do. And uh, I said, what a great uh, what a great average uh, ad that you can put out there when the general election. Quoting Barbara Barbara uh, Roberts, and uh, and and so because it's it's uh, to me that that yeah, that is something that I think that uh, Dennis, if he if he does this right, could potentially pull off something we haven't seen in a long time. Then as a Republican winning statewide, and and really focusing in on the job, focusing in on the audit side, but also focusing in on the fact that Commissioner Bakken wants to turn this into an activist punishing type of uh, position instead of position that is about holding the uh, holding uh, our the government agencies accountable with our with our tax dollars yeah it's really about the agency that provides the transparency to the voters in, in so many ways from you know running uh, clean elections to the audits division um, to the archives and, and holding the you know the, the record keeper for the state 
that's the real function of the Secretary of State is, is you're that transparency for the general public, for state government. Um, you you so, really are. You really, absolutely. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, uh, you know, you, you talk about you've been up to Portland, you've done this um, event or that event where you got to travel around. What was some of the most common questions that, that were asked of you while you were about, um, particularly where you weren't well known? Well, I think one of the, you know, the question that would be asked would be, you know, why should we, why would we want to support you when Venice is, is here? And and I would hear that quite a bit. And and I think what I would do is just, is just explain my background and, and let people know, you know, the Secretary of State's position is an executive level position. I served as a mayor for 10 years and a county commissioner. That's much more of an executive position than being a, and then serving the state legislature. And we were, and I really talk about my, my hands-on experience is working with uh, oversight with our financial auditors in particular, but also the oversight that we have with performance auditors and we're that that's hands-on. We have hands-on experience because counties are the, do the heavy lifting when it comes to all, all elections in the state. I mean, when you look at statewide elections, as you well know, the county clerks are doing all the heavy lifting around the entire state. And I think having that relationship with the clerks, to me, was, was giving me, I, I felt like a strong advantage because we know. We know what they do. We know what, uh, what uh, their, their jobs entail. In, in, in and uh, so that, was, that would be a common question. The other question is, why do you, I mean, I mean, come on, you're a Republican trying to win a statewide race. What makes you think you can pull this off? And there was no doubt, Jay, that I felt that um, I knew in the primary it was going to be challenging for me running against Dennis, but I really strongly felt like we were a stronger general election candidate because we had the ability to put Lane County in play. And when you when we studied the numbers and studied the, where the where the numbers are as far as the votes, uh, the the two big bellwether counties, if you're able to pull them off, were going to be Washington County and Lane County. Because first of all, Lane County is kind of the uh, you know the deathbed of of Republican candidates. I mean, if a Republican gets 35 percent Lane County, that I mean it's almost like Multnomah. They don't do very well here, and uh, but yet. This is, you know, I think I had the ability to put Lane, at least Lane County in play. Whether I won it or not, I don't know, but we put it in play. Then we can uh, focus in on Washington County. And because we are, you know, in Lane County, we both work with urban and rural, we can connect with the urban voters, I think, pretty well. At least I felt like I could connect with urban voters very well, as well as rural voters. So to me, that would allow us to make that connection in Washington County and, and Lane County in particular because it is proven that a Republican can win Marion County and Clackamas County, and then you try to get your 35% Multnomah County, as I like to call it, Gresham East. And, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, putting Lane County in play, getting Washington County back, the numbers are there. And, and so that was, that was also a common uh, question asked. Uh, I think a lot of people were very intrigued, but I think at the end of the day, I think uh, Republican voters wanted to vote on what they were most comfortable with, and uh, at this point in time, that's, that's Dennis, and 
you know what? They spoke loud and clear. I respect that. Uh, we move on, and we're back doing county business. Yeah, yeah, which we can't really talk about today on the radio because nope. there's, there's, there's been some court decisions about public meetings yeah. laws that we just, you know, I, I promised that we would, uh, uh, you know, get into ca- county issues because we have to be careful about uh, if two of us have talked about something and then one of us inadvertently talks to a third, we'd be violating uh, public meetings laws. Or even if the two of us talk about something and we talk to a, a constituent or a third person about it, like somebody calls into the show and then that person then talks to a third commissioner and we're you know completely unaware to us, um, that possibly violate a public meetings law. So until yeah. the... Uh, until the the appeal of of the uh, some of the recent uh, court decisions around public meetings, or the legislature finally decides that they're going to clarify um, public meetings laws a little bit better than they currently have, uh, we have to be really careful uh, not to put Wright County in a, in a situation where we could um, cost the taxpayers money by inadvertently doing that. Yeah. So I will apologize to our to our listeners now that we're not going to talk about issues that may come before um, the county commission. So um, there'll be a few things that, uh, you know, we we won't get into. (laughs) Just, and and I I respect that. And I highly respect that. So, and that, and that's where we, we should be. So I appreciate that, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, we won't talk about everything from uh, whether or not, or, or, you know, participation in with or without Lynn County and, and lawsuits and what our thoughts are on the courthouse sighting, um, we need to do that in a public meeting. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll defer to that for now. Um, and uh, hopefully you'll get a chance uh, to call me on, on, on some other time when I don't have a fellow commissioner on the line and we can <laughs> talk about my feelings on it. Um, and, and I'll, uh, and I'll try not. To, I'll try to do my best not to to deliberate public through through the radio either. Um, yeah, it, it's a tough thing. So it's kind of uh, you know really uh, we can't. You know, one of the questions I, I had uh, sent to me was, you know, where are you going from here? And it's kind of like I I, I don't really want to ask you that because you know you you essentially said it's back to county business, and and we really talk about county business too much. Well, and, and you know, and and to be honest with you, uh, you know, when it comes to elections, I just take one election at a time. I, I, you know, I for some reason I think people think that a lot of us in public office somehow plan these, like what what we're doing, like years in advance. And for me, maybe some people do. For me, that's that's I just don't. And uh, you know, when the Secretary of State's office was, it, it was an open seat. Um, and, and when you look at the office itself, in fact, you look at the Secretary of State and the State Treasurer in particular, and I would even argue the Attorney General, but those two in particular are probably the closest statewide offices to being nonpartisan you'll find. And, and in fact, there's argument out there that maybe they should be nonpartisan because uh, that you should be not looking at, at decisions being made, whether they're being a Democrat or Republican, but instead you should be making decisions based on what's best for the taxpayers of the state of Oregon. And, 
you know this is uh this is can be challenging enough as you as you well know out there whether you're an R or D just trying to make decisions based on what's right and uh, knowing that uh sometimes when you do when you are, con- are conducting a public business you make a decision sometimes you'll offend those who have been your supporters over the years but you have to do what's right for for the uh for the public and so uh, that's t- to me that 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 part of it was so intriguing to me on uh, as far as the statewide office is concerned, and why Secretary of State. Uh, it's it's the only one that I really truly had an interest in. I know that I had, you know, had explored running for governor, but I got to tell you, uh, that was it, it. Only took me a couple weeks, and that was pretty easy. Why I wasn't going to go down that road. Um, that's why I came back and decided the Secretary of State's office was the was the right office to pursue. Uh, We came up short, um, but at least I felt like we got a pretty good message out there. And uh, I encourage Dennis, if you liked what I had to say, please, you know, go ahead and and take that as your own into the the general election because uh, he clearly liked some of my thoughts when it came to the corporations division and the state land board. And I think overall... Uh, I think my knowledge when it came to the state land board was was a was a little bit stronger than his, um, and and I said you know I'm more than happy to if you're interested in more of my opinion I'm more I'm I'm more than happy to provide it I'll leave that up to him, um, but uh, you know if he found some of those ideas that were thoughtful and and would would uh, resonate I said have at it go ahead <laughs> so yeah. uh, we'll we'll see what happens. And, and you'll continue, you know, one of the things people may not be aware is you'll continue your role with the Association of Oregon Counties, I believe. Uh, are you correct. still co-chair of the Transportation and Economic Development Committee for the Association of Oregon Counties? That, that's correct. And so we, we still are, in fact, uh, uh, part, part of that is uh, because of Senator Byer being the chair uh, on the Senate side, and 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 with a, I've had a 20-year relationship, you know, friendship with Senator Byer over the years. That it just made sense to make sure that we, you know, that the Associated Oregon Counties has somebody in a in a position there that has a strong relationship, not only with Senator Byer, but of course Representative McEwen on the coast, who is his Senator Byer's counterpart on the House side, and um, so. Transportation seems to be uh, that's that's clearly going to be one of the top topics and top uh, things that the legislature will be talking about in the in the 2017 session, and uh, the Associated Oregon counties are clearly going to be at the table and and um, uh, yours truly I hope will will be able to make a positive you know positive contribution as as we move forward so. Um, you know, it's 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 a lot of fun, and uh, while uh, serving serving in that capacity of associating Oregon counties, I mean, it's time consuming. But you still, again, you're still trying to do not only what's good here for for us in Lane County, but this is what's uh, doing what's good for for counties throughout the entire state. So, in a sense, you still have your fingertips on on working. Statewide on some different uh, different proposals, different projects, but in a, in a different capacity, obviously. Yeah. So again, I want to remind everybody we're speaking with Sid Lykin, former uh, candidate for Secretary of State here in Oregon and fellow Lane County Commissioner of mine. 
And if you want to get on the conversation, you can call 646-721-9887 and just press 1, and that lets us know you want to join the conversation. Or you can email us at talk at krbnradio.net. So getting back to the Secretary of State's office, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that you feel like it should be nonpartisan. I remember a particular incident, and, and I don't know how much you remember about this, but there was going to be a fairly lively um, general election or, or even uh, a primary election with, for uh, labor commissioner. And uh, Bruce Starr was running, and Granovacian mm-hmm. uh, at the time was running. And Secretary of State Brown made a decision to uh, not run a main election and, and move it to November, um, which was, you know, and that Bruce Starr was all prepped up and ready to try and, and take more than 50% in May. Um, and her decision to do that basically gave Avakian time to, to reload and, and actually win the election. Um, and it was challenged in court, but of course, by the time it was challenged, it was after the filing deadline. It, it just, it was a maneuver that just really, um, it was, was difficult to watch happen. And, and I'm surprised doesn't come up almost daily whenever anyone talks about Kate Brown. It's probably one of the most infamous things she did as a secretary of state uh, was basically manipulate the election. I still got you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You just cut out there for a second, but you're you're back. Sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. The wonders of the internet. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, and Jay, that I think you bring up something that uh, in in and I, I absolutely remember that because the and again for folks who out there that may may not know the labor commissioner position is nonpartisan and as a nonpartisan that there should have been an election in May and whomever could have come out of that with over 50% in May then their their name would be the only name on the ballot in November that's how that should have been handled in fact uh you know secretary State Brown received a tremendous amount of criticism because of that. And and I think, if memory serves me correct, I think she somewhat admitted that that may have been a mistake. And and it, to me, that was a, a huge state, uh, mistake at the time. And and um, you know, and like, I mean, we obviously can't can't bring that back. But what I'm hoping again is that that any time something like this comes up that you have an election like this, that especially with the labor commissioner, as nonpartisan, that the, if the, somebody gets that over 50% in May, then that should be handled just the same way as, as our, our elections. If they're nonpartisan and you get 50 plus one in May, your name is the only name on the ballot come November, and that's the way that should have been handled. And uh, unfortunately it wasn't. Because uh, I think Bruce would have would have done an outstanding job as labor, labor commissioner, and you're right. I think he was clearly banking on, and his organization was clearly set up to potentially win in May. And uh, unfortunately, you you when you run statewide, 
And uh, even though it's nonpartisan, it clearly became a partisan race come November. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just, you know, it's an example of the Secretary of State in an activist role, which is what we're looking at with that labor commissioner who actually was the beneficiary of that decision is now the Democrat yeah. candidate for Secretary of State. And as you outlined earlier, has clearly um, expressed an interest in and Secretary of State eating cupcakes uh, as a Secretary of State. But uh, he's definitely shown his willingness to be activist as a labor commissioner already. Uh, so it's a pretty scary um, thought for you know, business in general. Um, you know, you've been a, a business owner in the past. Um, I know your wife's involved in the banking industry. Um, I'm a small business owner with my wife. So I've had to interact with the Secretary of State's office quite often. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's not supposed to be an activist place. It's supposed to be a place where you get business done and then you also provide that function of transparency for um, the citizens of Oregon. And the, the thought of having an activist as a secretary of state is a little bit unsettling to the business community um, when we're already looking at the potential for IP um, 28 and, 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 and a hidden sales tax that it is on top of measure 66 and 67 that already chased some businesses out of Oregon. Um, and, and now the minimum wage and sick leave laws and the thought of an activist secretary of state potentially auditing businesses and, and, you know, getting involved in, in issues they shouldn't be. Uncertainty is the killer of business. You know, you and I both know that. And just, you know, what are your thoughts about the idea of an activist secretary of state and how damaging that might be to business climate? Yeah, I just, uh, I, I, the thought of it, it, it to me, and, and you're right, it, it could be extremely damaging, and especially uh, because of the, if, if the secretary of state is, is going to use the audit division and become more of an activist to go after private business, instead of just making sure that there's government accountability. Uh, you know, to, to me, this could really set up Oregon to, to be a, a challenging place to do business. And, and right now, uh, the perception, there's a perception out there that it is a challenging place to do business already. And with uh, this, this whole thought of IP28, in fact, I will tell you that so far, Commissioner Vakin is the only candidate I have heard uh, out of the five of us running for sec- Secretary of State that actually came out and said he supported IP28. He's the only one. I, uh, now, whether Senator Devlin supports it or whether uh, Representative Hoyle supported it, uh, I have no idea because they publicly didn't state as much, but Commissioner Avakian made no bones about it. He was supporting IP28. And from my perspective, uh, you know, uh, what many people in the business community have told me is that, and, and I'm sure you're hearing the same thing, you know, we could, we could because of our uh, paid time off, we can deal with sick leave, minimum wage, at least they're giving us six, seven years to deal with it, you know, before it becomes the, 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 uh, the, high, the high dollar amount. 
but IP28 is the piece that can break the 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 the, the camel or the the breaks the breaks the back here, and and that is one that uh, I think we should all think about and be really engaged in. Um, because this isn't this isn't uh, an issue that's about how many uh, classroom size and that type of thing because that's where the that's where those who support IP20 are going to come at they're going to come at this being about education supporting education when that's that's not the reality this is going to affect by by the way if you do your if if people are willing to study it they're going to find out this won't just affect the those major corporations. This will affect every taxpayer in the state of Oregon, no matter what you make. Even if you're a poverty, this tax measure will affect those of you, even if you're even if you're a poverty. And that's something that the state of Oregon cannot deal with right now, cannot handle. Yeah, and just to remind folks, IP28 is that proposal for a gross receipts tax, which means a tax on the total revenue of this earns, no matter what, how much actual profit they make. It's just how much income you have. It's two and a half percent of gross receipts for any um, business, you know, uh, revenue er- earned in um, Oregon over 25 million. And people think, oh, well, that's only going to affect like Exxon and stuff like that. 25 million is not a lot of money. It's going to affect things like Portland uh, Electric. It's going to affect uh, uh, Pacific um, core and, and utilities. And I, I know from you know, experience that Eugene Water and Electric Board had groceries over $25 million a year. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things that you know, it, it, people make it think like it's a really big business. You know, a lot of businesses make $25 million. You'd be surprised uh, how many actual you know, break that. And then when you look at some of the large corporations that could choose not to do business in Oregon, um, that may be what they choose to do, and we'll lose a lot of jobs. And it's and the and the independent um, uh, uh, office of the legislature, the revenue office, predicted that it's going to cost tens of thousands of jobs in Oregon. And, and you know, I don't think anyone's balanced revenue you might gain from the gross receipts tax with the loss of income tax receipts when all those people get laid off. Yeah. And and it's going to be a pass-through tax. It's going to be a hidden sales tax. Those companies that are having to collect the 2.5% and pay a 2.5% gross receipts tax, they don't just magically come up with another 2.5% of their money. They'll either raise their prices to their customers, uh, you know, decrease their compensation to their employees or cut employees, or they could possibly decrease their um, uh, dividends to their shareholders. But the most likely scenario is they'll just raise their prices for in their Oregon stores or Oregon, you know, and, and you know, small companies are going to be paying larger company stuff like the small auto, you know, the small mom and pop auto repair place, you know, is buying their parts from a larger part supply chain it's probably breaking the 25 million so the price of those parts they're putting in your car are now two and a half percent higher uh, it, it's clearly shown through all the studies that it's actually going to be a regressive tax and those at the lowest end of the income scale will actually pay, pay the highest percentage and you just have to ask yourself um, when is enough enough you know is, is 
you know, IP28, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back, or is it having an activist secretary of state? Uh, you know, when are people going to, you know, in Oregon going to start going, I, I can make a living here, and, and the leadership here is going the wrong direction, and they'll look and say, you know, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe we do need a Republican secretary of state. And they, they say, you know what, it's time for Dennis Richardson. Yeah, and I would hope that those who did support me, I want to thank, you know, all especially here in Lane County that supported me. I really appreciated the the uh the, the vote of confidence by by this uh, and and because I I'll be honest with you, Jay, I I I told uh my wife Debbie uh, beforehand, I said, you know, I'm I'm afraid uh, that because this again, this is only a Republican primary, uh I hope I carry my home county. Uh, but you know, will uh, will those Republicans be more, um, you know, have a stronger feeling for for Dennis? Well, you know, we we prevailed and, and we took Lane County, and now I think it's important for those Republicans who supported me in the primary. You need to really truly get behind Dennis Richardson. And and my view is, when you look at all the statewide races, I still believe at this point in time, Dennis may have the best shot at winning. Uh, even more so than the governor's race, the, the state treasurer, uh, and or, or the attorney general. I think Dennis has a shot here. Part of it, his experience of running statewide, and because he's really going to be focused in on the job as secretary of state and, and keeping it where it is. I think that there's going to be some money coming his way. Uh, he's done pretty well fundraising right now. I think he's going to continue to do well where he'll be able to offset some of that uh, fundraising that will occur um, with um, <clears throat> that'll occur uh, for those who are going to be supporting Commissioner Vakian. So I think Dennis is Dennis has a shot here, and uh, and I think that uh, I'm hopeful that Republicans will truly get behind him on this one. Yeah, and I also think we're going to get another shot at the governor's office in two years. So in two know, years, yep. Make, yeah, if we don't if we don't make it this year, we we get another shot in two years where um, you know Secretary of State four-year office uh, this this time around, four-year term, and um, then you've got an incumbent running in the next election cycle, um, and whoever can maybe uh, be the next tech, you know, what's really important somewhat is to think two terms out and when that redistricting comes up again. Yeah. Because if the legislature can't come to an agreement and say we do say we do manage either this time or next time to get a Republican governor and we manage to hang on to that office through um, uh, 2021, hmm, something about 2021 sounds familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, okay. Uh, sorry, I got I, I, I digress. Uh, but in, in 2021, you know, if we have a Republican governor. Uh, and there's still, say, a Democrat legislature or a split legislature, and they can't come to an agreement on redistricting, it's going to fall back to the Secretary of State's office. So it's really important to have a non-activist Secretary of State in place at that time that's going to just try and draw good, clean districts that give people good representation and doesn't do things like the crazy thing that Bill Bradbury did where he made basically pie pieces out of Portland and put the tip of the pie into Portland with enough density of people in the tip of the pie to outvote the people in the bigger piece, you know, part of the wedge of the pie out in the rural areas 
um, and you end up with with a majority of state legislators have Portland addresses because they did yeah. that. Or you get crazy shaped um, districts like that here around Eugene, like House District 8 that takes in the South Hills of Eugene, yet comes all the way around Benita and takes in my house. And I'm an actually in the district that has the South Hills in it, uh, instead of being in the district that has Junction City and some of the other communities around me, um, that would be you know, House District 14. Uh, or they have you know Phil Barnhart's district, that, you know, House 11, that goes from the South Hills of Eugene. It, it has enough of them to outvote all the countryside that it picks up as it surrounds Springfield but doesn't take Springfield in and actually has parts of Lynn County and Sweet Home uh, and Brownsville in it, um, <laughs> which I don't know how that relates to the folks down in, in um, Southeast Eugene. Um, well, so I was going to say, Jay, come on. South, South Eugene and Brownsville, they have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think some of the people from Southeast Eugene have actually seen the movie Stand By Me. Um, <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, a little 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 culture reference there. Uh yes. But yeah, it is it is a critically important election coming up and I think you know one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on is to kind of focus on that Secretary of State's position and just get people to understand how critical it is, how it can be abused as as you know Brad Avakian's uh, talked about it, where he wants to use it as a as a tool to punish um, citizens versus a tool to actually be transparent to citizens, which is what the actual office is about. Um, and we really need to make sure we prevent that from happening. And you know, I really have to commend you and Dennis for running that clean race that you did. But I really have to commend you for coming out and. and asking people to support Dennis. So it'd be really easy to be bitter and, and all um, about, you know, not having won election and not having done well. did win your own county. But, um, yeah. you know, really uh, it, it's, uh, you know, commendable that you, you, you're supporting him. Um, so, you know, aren't, you know, are there any, um, like, public appearances coming up uh, or, um, you know, how can folks maybe get a hold of you or, um, you know, find out maybe more about this whole secretary of state thing? Um, you know, you know, what's an easy way, you know, folks that are listening today or listen on the archive, what's the easiest way to maybe get a hold of you if they have questions about secretary of state's office or about Lane County or have an issue uh, in Springfield there with the county government and want to get a hold of you. What's the easiest way to get a hold of you, Sid? So the easiest way, obviously, is email, in, uh, which our, our email is a little complicated, but it's uh, Sid dot, so S-I-D dot Lichen, and that's L-E-I-K-E-N, at C-O dot Lane dot O-R dot U-S, so County Lane, Oregon, United States. And uh, that's an easy way. Uh, my phone number, my direct line at the county is 541-682-3825. And um, <clears throat> I'm more than happy to set up time to, to visit with folks. Uh, and I think going through this campaign and, and really diving into the Sec Secretary of State's office, it even opened my eyes. Um, I know we didn't really touch on motor voter today, 
uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that after this first year that the Secretary of State's office will send a report to uh, the legislature, a motor voter, realizing that the legislature did not provide enough funding to the county clerks uh, when it comes to motor voter. And I think that that's been, it, it's basically been proven. Uh, the county clerks right now have been overworked quite a bit. Uh, they're getting the job done, which has been amazing to me. Uh, but I think overall, uh, I think an analysis needs to be done on this. Um, and, of course, what they're finding out is that uh, with Motor Voter, most people did, it, you know, they just left it alone and became non-affiliated. And um, now the prediction's in hand that maybe by the year 2022, non-affiliated may be the largest voting block in the, in the state. Uh, who knows? And I don't know if that, that's going to be accurate or not, but I've heard that as a potential. And that's only six years away. So, um, you know, whether that, if that becomes the case or not, I don't know. But, uh, you know, the, the Secretary of State has that unique partnership with the counties, and in particular the county clerks. And, um, and so hopefully whomever's there, uh, that is something that will be very important to, to issue a report so that the legislature gets a firm analysis on the kind of dollars it, it's going to take to make sure the, the clerks feel like they're whole uh, when it comes to motor voter. Yeah, and that's, you know, we didn't discuss that a lot. And, you know, one of the things we also didn't discuss is the whole idea of integrity. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things I hear constantly is, is, well, when you register, you, you sign this thing that says that you're aware that you can be fined. The Secretary of State has actually gone in and tried to find you know, when a comes in with a mismatched signature um, yep. and, and, and it's turned down and counted, where they have action and found that signed that ballot illegally prosecuted them. And that's something I will hope that the tennis will consider doing. If there was one way the Secretary of State's office should be involved maybe in, in a little bit of enforcement and, and stretches and try and make sure that people are not committing voter fraud. And there doesn't seem to be a very much of a concern about that with our Secretary of State and our former Secretaries of State over the last 20 or so. In fact, they tried to make it easier and easier to commit voter fraud um, and, and all. But, you know, I will remind people that um, Lane County Commissioners take public comment at the beginning of every meeting we have, so they can also reach us. And both and I are on Facebook, um, so, you know, if you kind of Put our names into Facebook. You can find her and send us a message, which reminds me a letter to know that you know KRBN uh, Internet Radio has a Facebook page, and if you'll go on there like us, uh, we'd appreciate, and that will allow us to uh, you know maybe get our message to you, what's up on our shows and all that. Sid, thank you uh, for coming on today and talking about Secretary of State's office and uh, just general. Um, you know, it's been it's great working with you on the mission, and I think it's really great support for Dennis Richardson. Any last words? No, I, I you know, Jay, I just want to say thank you for having me, and it's it's been fun to talk about. You know, even though we we didn't win, obviously, but it's still it's still great to talk about the office and what it means for the for the citizens of the state of Oregon. And and uh, uh, by the way, one last piece, and when you mentioned Facebook, good luck. For Oregon is my is my more my public page. So if you have a question for me on Secretary of State or whatever the case may be, 
feel free to send it there, and, and we'll get an answer for you. Sounds great, Sid. Thank you for being my guest. And it's going to be about for the most of the show. We'll talk to you next week. We've been live from downtown Elmira, Oregon. <laughs>